Thank you for listening to another episode of Tunnel Vision Podcast. I'm Mario DeRamus. I'm Eric Walker. Eric's episode 73. We, you know, for the people listening, we did take a week off, so we apologize. Just had things come up, but we are back and ready to dive in, talk about some sports. We got a lot to catch up on, a lot to talk about today. Obviously, with the Super Bowl coming up, NFL going through some things, NBA going into full effect as we approach the trade deadline, and we're getting a little bit closer to All-Star Weekend. It's only a week away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Before, before, we, um, <clears throat> before we dive in, I think it's only right. Let's do a checkup. How, how you doing? On the scale of 1 to 10? Yeah. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I, I can't complain. I mean, I could, but I, I'm not. You know what I mean? We're getting closer to Valentine's Day. And right now, I don't have a Valentine, so I'm saving a little bit of money, so I'm doing okay. What about you? What about your one to ten? Where you at? One to ten, I'm probably about a, I'm probably about a six point eight, like but six point eight. Yeah, but it, you know, it's better than being at a three. So you know, I, I take the good with the bad. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, I, I, I'm at probably, <clears throat> I say probably a solid, solid eight and a half, maybe. Oh, that's good. That's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would never give me a, a perfect ten, by the way, but um, because there's always something, right? Yeah, it's always something. That's why. But, um, but yeah, I'll say it's all eight and a half, man. Um, had a nice little break, kind of, sort of last week. Um, dodged the roads and the the snow and stuff like that. Went to a, a coach's clinic and learned about more ball and talked to some coaches and. Um, got some got some good information, um, and then now, man, just I felt I feel a little bit more well rested. It's like the first time I in a long time that I probably indulged in drinking like multiple days in a row. I felt I felt super old. Oh, okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I ain't gonna lie, I was like, damn, man, like this is the first time I've you know indulged in drinking. Multiple days back to back in a row to where I was like, some days I was like, man, I need a nap. So you took naps. So naps. No, that's and that's hey, but that's what sometimes those days are needed. You know what I mean? Like Facts. vacations, uh, shit, going to a coaching clinic, going to like a retreat somewhere to where it's like you don't have to deal with the typical day to day life, and you can just kind of at times let your your mind at ease. You know what I mean? You can be at ease. Yeah, man, it was it was good. I. You know, checked in with the fam here every now and then just to make sure everything was good back home uh, with the roads and the ice and everything. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't avoid the snow. I did not. I, I got caught up, in, which is cool. I, look, that's you, cool. You got caught in it? Well, I didn't get caught in it, but I was like, I was here. Like, I didn't get to leave. I was still in Cincinnati. But did you, like, go out? or No, I didn't like... go out. It was cold as heck. Okay. And it was snowing ice on the ground. No, I stayed in the house and watched movies. Okay. What, what, what movie, if you don't mind me asking, like, what movie did you watch? Hell. Like, what was the best movie you watched? The best movie I watched while, like, during the snowstorm? Yeah. I don't, I can't tell you, I can't. I could sit here and think about what movie I watched, but I couldn't just say off the top of my head. Did you watch any Fresh Prince? I did not watch Fresh Prince. I actually, That's shocking. I haven't watched Fresh Prince because I I, I end up rewatching it on HBO Max, okay. which I, I do have it on DVD. But I end up rewatching the whole series on HBO Max, like earlier, like well, in the last year now, in the twenty twenty one. For the folks listening, uh, Mario is like a, a avid 
um, Fresh Prince fan. Now, like, I'm a huge Will Smith fan. Let's. I'm a oh, huge okay, Will like, Smith huge, fan. But but like Fresh Prince, you probably watched the whole. I've seen every episode. episode I've more seen more twice. more than five times. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen every episode of Fresh Prince more than five times. I would say. If I was to do a count of how many episodes I've watched The Fresh Prince in totality, it would be over maybe 600. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I could probably watch an episode of Fresh Prince, like the same episode, probably five days a week. Like, if it's just one episode, I could probably watch it five days a week. So, do you remember, like, you memorized the whole episode? Yeah, I remember. I remember. I couldn't go back and watch an episode and probably quote you the whole show. Hmm. There you have it, folks. So, he, he's no Valentine. If, if there is a lady out there that, that wants to pique your interest, they would know that, you know, Fresh Prince Will Smith... It's kind of a thing that's near deep, dear to your heart. Look, man, when I when I talk to girls or even like my past girlfriends, they know for a fact that it's a few things that they that that pique my interest, right? Right. And those things are, and, and it's not pique my interest as far as like I I want though, but the things that I like. So anything involving Will Smith. So any movie involving Will Smith. I even said sometimes I listen to Will Smith music. Don't yeah, don't ask me so, why. So I'm gonna say is Hitch up there? Hitch is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, okay. Of all times, it's it, it's my favorite Will Smith movie also. Okay. Um, but The Rock, so Dwayne Rock Johnson, okay. was like my childhood hero. Okay. Uh, Donovan McNabb and anything Philadelphia Eagles. Those are like the, I'm I'm simple in that in that so way. So you left off Michigan. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm a they, I'm a huge Michigan fan, obviously. Like, yeah, but like it didn't come out, so it's like I mean, I can because look, that's the way I put it. Like, I'm okay with most girls or most yeah, most girls and most women. They don't really get into like college football anyway. And most of the girls, you, most of the, most of the, most of the, most, most of the girls or women that I meet in Ohio are usually Ohio State fans. Or Cincinnati Bearcat fans, which I like the Bearcats too. So, but I would, you know, I'm, I would say I'm a bigger Eagles fan than I am a Michigan fan. Probably, I don't know. That's tough. That's yeah. that's, that's tough. Yeah, and then I think about it even more. Is like, but that that, that kind of it kind of helps with my thinking because back in my mind and in, in the back of my head, like you are like a closet Ohio State fan. I'm actually not. No, nah, but I do like certain players from Ohio State. A from lot State. of players from Ohio State. No, nah, because I just, I was a huge, I was a huge Chris Gamble fan. And I can't deny that. Because he played you, both. You started you started at Chris Gamble, but I could probably name some before Chris Gamble. No. And I no, damn no. sure can name some after Bef- Chris before Gamble. Before Chris Gamble? Yeah. No, I don't, I couldn't tell you a player. Eddie George? No, I wasn't a you huge. Like, you, you didn't like Eddie George? No, I wasn't a George fan. Okay. I liked Anthony Thomas from Michigan. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't I want Eddie George fan. Hell, I didn't even like Eddie George when he played for the Titans. I did like Steve McNair, though. Yeah, I could go. Yeah, and, and we can name more than 10 probably after Chris Gamble, though, right? We could probably name five or six. Uh, Chase Young, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, you like them, too. I like um, Nick Bosa more than I like Joey. Uh, okay, but you like them. Uh... Ezekiel Elliott. Um, 
Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Chris Olave. I'm not a big Olave. He's okay. I'm not a big Olave fan. I think he's talented. I'm not Michael a big, Thomas. Not a Michael Thomas fan. Um, Only I like Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin. Dobbins. I do like Dobbins. It's close to 10. It's close to 10. But I'm not, I'm not an Ohio State fan. Sam Hubbard. I do like Sam Hubbard. I do like Sam Hubbard a lot. Alright, we're getting close to 10, but that's cool. Yeah, but let's uh let's dive right in. Obviously we're talking about football, so let's stick with the topic. NFL. Um well I guess last week it was kind of a bigger story, but uh, to me, because we talked about it prior to the story even becoming the story, right? Like to the main mainstream media. But we talked about the issues with coaching diversity within the NFL, right? And we have been saying it's a problem probably for the past month and a half, ever since, really, Black Friday. Yeah. Or Black Monday, I'm sorry. Um, but the biggest issue was that there was only one black coach after they had, you know, obviously let some of the other coaches go in the NFL, uh, notably Brian Flores. And this is kind of how it be it became a mainstream thing to talk about, right? Because right. Brian Flores last week had filed a, a lawsuit against the NFL and against several of the teams in the NFL for racial discrimination, right? right? And to call somebody or to call an organization racist is kind of a tall task because you have to do so many things to prove it, right? You I, And I feel like there are so many different things that go into it because to define someone or something as being racist, you have to have like almost clear-cut evidence, right? But I could I could honestly sit up here and say that I believe that in this case Brian Flores has a an abundance of uh different th- scenarios where he can bring up, right? He has he has a bunch of evidence to where he can show the courts and I think statistically it would prove him to be correct. Yes, when when you're when you're talking about the uh, when you're talking about the the hiring of coaches or the hiring of front office guys or women, um, for that matter, in these organizations, <clears throat> what main main street media did not talk enough about was the fact that before we go there. I just want to point out that they didn't talk about the diversity that is within the, I guess, the NFL itself when you talk about um, the headquarters. When you talk about Roger Goodell and who he has in place, which I thought was really weird. Roger Goodell has taken the NFL office and said, hey, we want more minorities. We want more blacks. We want women. And they have empowered more blacks and women and other people of color in that in that sector. What really is the root of the problem is is it's these owners at these organizations, right? That is becoming big the most biggest thing and the biggest problem that the NFL has currently today. Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, you know because it's a good old boys club. Correct. It, but a lot of it, you know, and, and their their argument is saying we feel comfortable, but we feel comfortable with this guy that's not the minority or the the um, black or colored person. 
And it's like, yeah, you do because you might share the same interest with this person. If I go in there and it's a black dude and somehow or another he makes a joke about rap, I'm going to be able to relate to it. Yeah. And then maybe our conversations begin to spark outside of football to something else to where we kind of are neck and neck on the same playing field when you talk about where we've come from and what we've done. Yeah, or just, hell, it could be something as simple as, oh, we share the same background, like, from a diversity standpoint, you know what I mean? for sure. Because, uh, let's be honest, some of these owners probably don't even like each other, but at the end of the day, they feel comfortable because they look alike, you know what I mean? And they see people that look like them. The only person that would stand out would be Shaq Khan, who is the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously. But outside of that, everybody else is kind of the same. And, you know, and I think the craziest part about it is in the NFL, the biggest difference is the owners have to be voted in by all, by majority of the other owners. Right. So it's, I'm glad you brought that point up before we get before I get lost in this one. So I had a conversation with one of my boys and we were talking about uh, Jay-Z and it was OK. Jay-Z was brought in to kind of help diverse things a little bit, right? Um, Well, you also have to think about the time in which he was brought in, too. Correct. Because a lot of of that can be a cover. Correct. And and to explain, folks, that he kind of was brought in after the time around uh, Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when I talked, when I had the conversation with my boy, it was like, okay, Jay-Z has, is, they're, they're trying to bring him in to show they're doing diversity. Again, that's at the highest level of NFL as the, the corporation, not as an organization of 32 teams. They have nothing to do with this. But what it, what it was, what was, I guess, what, what was intriguing was, okay, well, what is the, what is the play? When you talk about from Jay-Z perspective, is it just something to cover it up, make everybody feel? And it was like, it dawned on me. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, no, it's not. It's not a cover-up. It may look like a cover-up, but from Jay-Z perspective, it's not a cover-up. It's a, hey, I got to get in good with these owners. If I want a team, I need to be voted in by these owners to be able to take over a team. So let me get good with them. Find a ways to kind of maneuver, and then maybe I can make an impact, a bigger impact. There might be a bigger play here. And I initially thought a bigger play was here from the beginning. I mean, Jay-Z's a businessman. He's he's not a businessman. So, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of thought that, but then it just, after everything, it just came back to me again. Like, man, that's what he's doing. He's a billionaire. His wife's a billionaire. Like, separately, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're billionaires. So, it's like, they have an opportunity and a chance to take advantage of this um, and hopefully be able to shine some light on it. And it was just one of those things where it was like, bingo, in my head, light bulb went off. Um, this could potentially happen sooner than later. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think that you're, I mean, you're obviously onto something, but I think the Jay-Z thing could kind of be looked at a few different ways. Because if you look at the Super Bowl halftime show, 
just for this year alone, like, it's something crazy like we haven't seen in a while, right? Like, Dr. Dre, 100%. Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, like, usually they'll get somebody. Like, last year they had, um, what's the guy's name? It was The weekend. The weekend, yeah, they had The weekend. But usually you'll get, I mean, you'll get some big names. But to get this many people on this stage, Eminem also is going to be there. Like, what? what's that? I like that, but I'm shocked. Like, I guess Eminem kind of has the relationship with Dr. Dre. But it's like, this is this should be nothing but a Cali thing. Yeah, I mean... In L.A. It, 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 it should be, but at the same time, like, I, I definitely understand the play. Like, I'm not the biggest Eminem fan anyway, so I, maybe I, that that's where I just stand from that perspective. Yeah, and I think that's probably your draw on it, though. You're not the biggest Eminem fan, so... Nah, but I, th- I think Eminem being there is fine. Like, but I'm just saying, like, from that standpoint, like, you think that Roger Goodell just sat there one night, like, hey, you know what? Let's try to get all these different people to to do a halftime show. Nah, I'm sure Jay Z was like, hey, we should do this, 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 and that for the halftime show for the Super Bowl. Right. It's gonna be in L.A. first time in SoFi Stadium. You know what I mean? Like, cause I think that they kind of, I think that they kind of missed the year that they did the Gen- Jennifer Lopez and Shakira thing, like. And, and that's one thing that I will say regarding that. But the Jay-Z thing, that's interesting because when I look at it, I think, yo, how could this impact what's going on today, right? And it just, I mean, like something dined on you, something dined on me just the other day. I just realized the Denver Broncos just recently went up for sale. Right around the time that Brian Flores had came out with the accusations of, you know, these different teams being racist or these different organizations being racist. And a few of the organizations that he named were the New York Giants, the Miami Dolphins, and the Denver Broncos. He said that he had a meeting with John Elway uh, several years back before he got the Dolphins job. And he said that nobody really looked interested in the interview. It was pointed out John Elway and another guy that was high up there. I believe it was the GM, at the, uh, the other guy who was in the front office at the time. But, I mean, obviously John Elway had uh, come out with a statement denying everything. But, you know, as of right now, it's just kind of going to be his word against these organizations but he's also implemented a lot of different things to counter you know I mean to counteract whatever they're saying in their statements because he has a whole section alone on Eric Bieniemy not getting a head coaching opportunity in the NFL and said that since Bieniemy's uh time in the NFL there have been 70 vacancies for head coaching spots and Eric Bieniemy has not gotten one opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. You know what I thought was interesting too that's not being highlighted enough um, is the simple fact that not not only that, but the fact that Eric Bieniemy did not get a job at all. His contract is 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 on, on, on at the towards the end of it with. The Chiefs. Oh, it's at the end. And right, and, and it's and it's it's one of those things where it's like he has to decide whether he wants to um, stay and be okay with the position he's in, or he has to decide that he wants to go pursue another another position, whether it's a OC at another another. Um, 
organization or some sort or go to college or, or you know what I mean? Like he's at that crossroad and it's almost like, does the Kansas City Chiefs give him enough money to where maybe we're looking at Eric Bieniemy as probably like the highest paid OC? Yeah, I mean, we could say that but because he's got to make a decision. Something has to happen soon. I'll just say it like that because you, I mean, you got to think, man, like it's a, it's a quick turnaround in the NFL for like the, when your job comes available, you know what I mean? When your job becomes available, you have to go out there and get it because these positions are filling up, you know what I mean? Like they've already filled all the vacancies for head coaches and I'll go down a list really quick. Um, and these are, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, these are not in order by like date, but it's just by team. Uh, the Bears, they hired defensive coordinator from the Indianapolis Colts and uh, Matt Eberflus. The Denver Broncos hired the offensive coordinator from Green Bay and Nathaniel Hackett. Giants obviously hired the other Brian, Brian DeBall from Buffalo, from the Buffalo Bills, who was the offensive coordinator. The Raiders hired Josh McDaniels, who was the offensive coordinator with the Patriots, former head coach for the Denver Broncos. The Vikings hired Kevin O'Connell. Jaguars hired former head. Kevin O'Connell is from? He's from the Rams. Rams, okay. And then uh, the Jaguars hired Doug Peterson, who was the former Philadelphia Eagles head coach. Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel, who was coming from the 49ers. Texans hired Lovey Smith, who was the defensive coordinator there. And then the Saints hired Dennis Allen, who was the defensive coordinator there under Sean Payton, which I actually thought was a really good hire for the I, Saints. I, I, I want to go on a limb and say this. I don't follow some of those coordinators that much to to know. But I want to say that outside of, I'll say this, outside of black coordinators not getting a chance, this might be the first time that I felt those hirings aren't bad. It's not a bad hire there, in my opinion. Uh, those, most of those coordinators have earned their just due. Yeah, no, no, and and I and I won't disagree with that. Like, where I don't before you go further, where I don't like is we were the, the it, not we the NFL recycles the the same old fucking coaches who are not that good. And we didn't see that this time. The oldest guy in this in this hiring is Lovey Smith, who had a, a winning record when he was the last he was last time he was the head coach. Well, no, nah, he not the last time he was a head coach, but when he was the head coach of the Chicago Bears, he when he was Chicago Bears. yeah, but when he was with Tampa, he was kind of handed trash. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah, and true, 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 I mean, he was he was handed a, a dealt a bad hand, like right, you right. know what I mean, and, and like that's hard to turn around in two years. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. So, and I agree with you though, like because and that and that's my biggest issue. Like black head coaches, they they're first of all they're on the short leash, correct. And then they're not recycled as much as the their white counterparts. Like, and, and that's the biggest issue. Like, it's not even necessarily that they can't get the jobs, and you know because sometimes they will get the job, but it's not like they get like one opportunity to be a head coach, and as soon as like if they don't succeed. Then they're just out of there. You know what I mean? It's, and, and they don't get that same love or that same opportunity to come back and try with a different team. Correct. And that's why when we had a conversation, 
I think either we talked about it on a podcast or we probably talked about it via text. It was like, in my opinion, if the Saints job was the only job for Eric B. Enemy, I don't want him taking that job. No, I, I agree. And hell, I'll, I'll say this. If, if, hell, I didn't want Lovey Smith to, to take the Texans job. The way that they just did David Cully, I didn't want him to take that job. I didn't either, and I think that was kind of a little bit of a cover-up um, for for hiring Lovey Smith in the midst of everything. But I also think that they realized that there wasn't anybody out there that was, I guess, in their opinion, qualified or wanted to take the job. I don't think Eric Bieniemy would have took that job. No, the Texans job, I don't think Eric Bieniemy would have took that job. And I don't think that they're... I don't think anybody else out there, I won't say wasn't qualified enough, but the people, the candidates that they had, obviously, after firing David Cully, Brian Flores was one of the finalists. Um, you know what I mean? But And then you had Josh McCown. Like, and, and this is the biggest issue I have with the Texans and why, like, I'm sorry, but it, it's, it will take a lot for me to even sub, to probably support any Texans player because I'm sure that it's nothing to do with the players, but it's like with the organization, right, with the team. Right. And this is my biggest issue. You fired David Cully, who was the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. So he comes from a winning organization. He put his time in to get the position right. Mm-hmm. And then he goes there. You have the whole issue that you're dealing with with Deshaun Watson. So you automatically don't have your best player. And you're already a bad team with him. But that, but that goes back to what we were talking about just a few seconds ago. That's not a job. That, if, if I was him, I wouldn't have took that job. But it, but at the same time, you have to think about it. If you're trying to if you're trying to get out there and say, hey, you know what? I need a promotion. I want a promotion to show I can go out and be a head coach. And I can look. I know that I'm more than likely going to a bad team. Don't I mean no. The organization might not be, but the, but this is this is the issue. This is the issue I'm having, right? We saw how long of a time they gave Bill O'Brien. They gave Bill O'Brien, you know what I mean? So nobody, I didn't think going in last year, like, oh, well, David Cully only going to have one year. I'm like, nah, that's a bad team. He he won't have his best player in Deshaun Watson. But, you know what I mean? But then they say, okay, we'll get Tyrod Taylor. I'm like, okay, Tyrod is serviceable. Tyrod gets hurt. And then they have Davis Mills for majority of the season. And they still find a win he still finds a way to win four to five games and, and keep most games competitive. So let me let me go back and I'm not <clears throat> I, I'm not trying to make any um excuses for them. But they had you you take in the past, right? Coach was terrible. But they won ball games, right? He took them to the playoffs Quite a bit. He took them three three times. Three times. They still was kind of winning ball games, kind of filling the seats. I think that's why he got that long of a leash. Should he? Probably not. But he did. When David Cawley took this job, you walked into this job knowing this was bad from the beginning. Because the accusations that even the accusations that even Deshaun Watson was saying should have solidified him enough to know to say, okay, Deshaun Watson is saying they racist. But that's what he was basically saying in a, in a nutshell, right? He was saying the ownership is racist. He don't really want to deal with them. They're trying to make some shit. They're trying to make this shit come out because he was trying to leave, right? So if I'm 
if I'm a minority head coach, me, I'm black, I wouldn't want to go there. And then you tell me that the star player, not just the quarterback, the star player of this franchise is out and you guys are not wanting to play him because of the situation that's at hand? Well, he didn't want to play. It wasn't about them and, wanting to play he, him. And he didn't want to play either, and they're not going to trade him? I don't want to deal with it. If you if you look at David Colley's first press conference, that shit was bad. Yeah, because, look, man, he went into a bad situation. And I don't want, if it, me, personally, I don't want to go into a situation where I where, where the organization is going to put me in an uncomfortable position to where I got to compromise who I am in order to be a head coach there. It's not worth it. No, it, look, and, and I won't argue that down. And, that, uh, and that's the same thing that Brian Flores was saying. Brian Flores was saying Miami wants him to Miami wanted him to tank games. He's saying that's compromising who I am, and I'm not willing to do that. But I don't necessarily I don't necessarily know if they were in the same position because David Cully never came out and said that they were trying to get him to tank games. But but this is this is this was going back to my original point, right? This was what I had the issue with. I understand that David Cully went into a bad situation. And it, he probably could have turned the job down. But then, you know, what happens if he turns that job down? He may not get the opportunity to go elsewhere and become a head coach. And and I'm not I'm not going to be an assistant. I'm sorry. But to, if I'm breaking, I'll, I'll break it down to you, right? Nobody's going to say, hey, I'm comfortable with being an assistant manager at a store my entire career and never get a promotion to become a store manager even if I got to relocate. Because if you're doing that, then why the fuck are you even there? Because you're not trying to progress your career. You're just trying to be stable. That's it. In that example, right? You're you're bringing it to shoes or store. Retail. We can talk in a retail stamp from a retail standpoint. Okay, so prime example was me. I was offered like five stores before I left foot action. Yeah, and, and you and, know, and I never took neither one of them. And hey, and and that's because of where you were. And I don't. Did you want to be a store manager? At the time, potentially, yes. At the time, potentially, but you didn't have it in you. You didn't have it in you. Be like, you know what? I really want to be a store manager, and that's I, okay. I, I did a little bit, but I, what I will say is, I thought. It was going to take the right situation for me to take the job. But you, but let's be honest. Let's be honest, right? On this podcast, we can we can talk truth. You and I both know that a lot of the opportunities that were coming up were related to the store being in a bad position. It wasn't a lot of good stores coming available. No, it, and that, it, but that goes back to me. I was sought out to take. Over a store that was bad, I didn't want to. My my if, if my my thought was, I'll take over. Don't give me something that's bad. I'm worth more to take over something good than bad. But you were in a position where you didn't necessarily because. All right, and to clarify, he we worked at the same store for a while. Yeah, and but it was the number one store in the district at the time. It was so you were okay because financially you were still making just as much as some of the managers who were in bad stores. Yeah, but so so you so you were in position. I was in position, but but at the same time, in, in in this scenario, in my scenario, 
I was doing more than probably most store managers. Yeah, and that's and it, hold, on, hold on, hold on. So even then, I could have said, "Hey, let me go be a store manager, and I can make my assistant do majority of the shit, and I don't have to worry about it." Yeah, you could have and take over a bad situation. But my thought was, I'll never take over a bad. You're you're not gonna take me from where I was and where I was comfortable at. To put me in a bad situation to now where I'm uncomfortable and unhappy. I would never do that. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, right? I think David Cully had aspired to be a... Because you said that you were on the, you were still on the fence about even becoming the store manager. You said it would take the right situation. David Cully was like, I want to be a head coach. I'll say this. It took, me, it took me a few years to really say, I'm on the fence. I'm done. I, I really don't want to do it. By the time I was on my way out, it's really what got me to the point where I was like, I definitely don't want it. Yeah, no. Like, if that store would have came available before I left, like, I'll say six months before I left, if that store came available for me to take over, I probably would have took it. Okay. But then I kind of realized and got, I kind of got, at that point, I kind of got fed up and said, hey, I'm done with retail. You know what I mean? Like, as a whole, and it just was an opportunity, to be honest, too. An opportunity came to me where somebody said, hey, we looking for some people. And they say, oh, well, you could make the same amount of money that I was making, like, with my commit. Come come do this. Less hours, more pay. I was like, fuck yeah. I'm out of here. ASAP. Yeah, no, and, and I don't blame you. Like, but if we're talking about the situation of David Cully and coaching, mm-hmm. Like you have to think about it from that standpoint too, though. Like, if if because if he turns down if he turns down this opportunity that he's getting, is will he get another opportunity next off season? You know what I mean? And these guys are under contract too, so it's like okay, if his contract runs out with Baltimore, then what? You know what I mean? Not saying that they would like let him go or nothing like that, but he aspired to be a head coach. So I don't blame him for taking that job. I think I'm I'm looking at the way I would look at it. And I'm assuming here, I'm not going out on a limb. Eric B. Enemy, in my opinion, is waiting for the right job for him. Hat, don't get me wrong. He's interviewed for jobs. I think during this cycle, he only interviewed for two jobs. There we go. And even then, if you think about the cycle of the two jobs he interviewed for, are they really the right fit for him? Honestly, I think the Bears job would have been the right job. I think that that would because you already you got Justin Fields in place, and I think that's a, a great opportunity. And the whole Eberflus thing, I'm kind of on the fence. Like you said, it's, you don't think it's one bad hire. I don't think Eric Eber. I don't think Matt Eberflus is a bad hire. I think that Eric Bieniemy was a better hire for the situation that they currently have. Because what do we know about them? Right, they struggle where offensively. You bring in a defensive head coach. But here's where I'm going to go. Yes, they struggled offensively. But they also struggled defensively. They they did. And, And think about the teams. Think about the Bears teams, right? The Bears teams were successful when what? When they had great defenses. So, in my opinion, just my little opinion, yeah, even though I get the Justin Fields situation, the offense situation, I'm not not discrediting that one bit. You go get a guy who's who. I mean, the Colts had a stout defense, and a lot of these cats, 
Did they make the playoffs? No. Okay. <laughs> that's just, I mean, that's the only thing. I, because the Broncos had a stout defense this year. True. True. Eric Bieniemy has been the offensive coordinator and calling plays. Uh, I mean, I think he's been going back and forth with Andy Reid for the past two years now with both of them calling plays. Had the number one offense, what, two out of the last three years. Can, can I say this? I think Eric Bieniemy gets a job when I, I think this is the time that forces Eric Bieniemy to get a new job. And here's why I say this. The money that Kansas City is going to have to offer him to stay should be to the point where he's one of the highest paid offensive coordinators in the the National Football League. And that will show the National Football League that, hey, the one knock was, hey, he's not really kind of the offensive coordinator. Andy Reid kind of has final say-so. We've seen over the hold on, I'm getting there. We've seen over the years that that is not the that's not the case, but that's just us seeing that with our own eyes. There, there is. I think there's still people out there that still don't know for sure or believe he is the guy, or giving him a knock to say. Even if he is the guy, he has Andy Reid to learn from, and he has the Patrick Mahomes, which is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. Well, I got a thing, right? Because if that's going to be the only knock on him, then you, then hell, put me on the lawsuit because I'll go to the courtroom with Brian Flores and I'll speak on Eric Bieniemy's behalf. Because if that, if the one knock on him is well, he's not calling plays. Then how the hell did Doug Peterson get a job? Because he was the offensive coordinator and he wasn't calling plays. How did Matt Nagy get a job? Because he was the offensive coordinator before Peterson and he wasn't calling plays. So if that's if that's the one knock on Eric B. Enemy, then you gotta go back and you gotta retract both of those fucking jobs from Peterson and from Matt Nagy. Or how about with the Bengals? Yeah, Zach Taylor's offensive co- he was the quarterback coach. He was the quarterback coach. He wasn't the he wasn't even the coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator for the UC Bearcats in two thousand and like seventeen. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. I'm just throwing out there with So I think if he gets I think if they show with the money how much he's really worth to them, then potentially he gets the job he's looking for. That's the right fit job for him. You know what? And, and I, I think that it's crazy that we actually might have to see him go elsewhere. But it's I think a lot of it's predicated upon the fact that he has been in Kansas City. And then people will make up excuses like, well, he had Patrick Mahomes. He had Tyreek Hill. He doesn't interview well. He's too opinionated. Yeah, like, and, and, and that's, like, all those things shouldn't matter. Can he, can he lead a group of men and make them successful? And I believe that the answer is yes. And even if it's not yes, we have to give him an opportunity to show us. But the one but there is, right, We've shown, we've seen time and time again that these owners are looking for yes, man. Majority of, out of thirty-two teams, I'll, I'll be honest to say, there's probably eight, uh, not even eighteen. I'm gonna say twenty-eight of them are looking for yes, man. Probably, probably so. You want a leader that's gonna follow you, right? Which is okay. I mean, because you, in, in order to be able to lead, you got. In order to be able to lead, you have to at some point be able to follow, right? Like, and, and that's the truth. That's the truth. I, I, but but I'll go back and say there's two teams that come to my mind who have been consistent from an organizational standpoint from top to bottom 
that stick out very, very well, and it's really why they have success the majority of the years that they have it. And that's the Baltimore Ravens. And there's probably more, but come to my head right away. Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers. Those two teams have consistency, consistency, a consistent message from the top, from the owners, down to the GMs, down to the coach. If you think about it, Pittsburgh is just now founding a new GM or looking for a new GM. Baltimore Ravens just found a new GM, right? The consistency has been there at the coaching level, at the coaching position, and the message across the board has been the same. You got these organizations. First of all, let, 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 let's break this down. You got these older white men that are owning these teams who, one, don't know what the hell they're doing, hiring the wrong people, they're reaching for the stars, thinking they're supposed to be good, but they're not good. Or do a situation where they say like the Cleveland Browns, and I'm just giving an example. The Cleveland Browns, they were terrible for a long time. They finally go and spend the money in the right places to be successful for the most part. Now they didn't have success this year. If those owners blow that team up in the next year or two, they're going to be back to bad. You've worked so hard to get a roster and to get out of the dumps to now you're taking somebody's football knowledge and saying, let's blow this team up and we're done. Yeah. And now you're back to where you used to be. Yeah, no. And, and I we, think we that- call it the pretenders and the contenders. Wait, that ain't... There's a, only a certain few teams that we say are contenders, dog. Consistently. Consistently. Yeah. No. And I mean, because it's why because it seems so far away that the Cleveland Browns were just in the AFC Championship game last year. This year they could they barely look like they would be a playoff team, and, and, and they didn't make the playoffs. But and, and as bad as Baker Mayfield played, play like don't get me wrong, I, I'm not caping for him. To play with, to try to play with the torn labrum at the quarterback position is not good. No, it's not good. And I, and you know, it's the, the, I get it. I get it from Baker's standpoint because, I would have not be, well, because you know, I would have hung, hung it up. His, his up. rookie contract is coming up. I get it. I would have hung it up. But you know what's crazy though? If he if he goes into the season with and say like, hey, I got a, tor- I feel like I got a torn labrum. I'm not gonna sit out. It's actually gonna work in his advantage because the the most recent thing that we know about you is that you went to an AFC Championship I was game. Just about to say that. Like that's the last thing that we know about you. And that's where it comes to making the smart business decisions to make sure you're you're put in the right places. You know how many guys who've played through injuries that end up hurting their career because they played through injuries? Yeah. And, and I get it because he just saw a lot of people get paid. But at the same time, like, even if you don't get the, like, get over what they got, you don't have to. You can still get another contract. And, 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 and let, let's, let's be honest. If you're a quarterback, you don't want to break the bank. It's easy as you want to get paid. I'm here to, to say it, and, and we'll find out here shortly how everything's playing out. But look at Russell Wilson. 
You don't want to break the bank. You're going to be by yourself. Look, hold on. Look at a Dak Prescott. What, look what look at the Dallas Cowboys and how this offseason is going to play out. They're going to end up having to walk away from Dirk, Demarcus Lawrence and Amari Cooper because they paid Dak Prescott a lot of money. And they gave so there, there's no money to give because now you got to get ready to be playing digs soon. Now you got to be getting ready to re-up uh, Michael Parsons as soon as you can. You can't even wait till his rookie deal expires. Yeah, no, and, and I agree with you. I agree with you look a thousand the, percent. Look at the Green Bay Packers. They're like sixty million, which I, they're like sixty million in a negative in cap. I think like 50, 60 million, right? But everybody says, well, all they're negative in cap. The only problem really is the salary um, cap might go up fifty to sixty million. So they might end up being okay, but Rodgers is accounting for $42 million of their salary next year. That's a lot of money for somebody who's sitting here complaining that he need fucking help. And not only that, I, I don't even think it was that. I think a lot of it was shit. He's not getting a lot of guaranteed money, though. Well, this year he didn't. This year he didn't. But he earned every bit of, every bit of uh, money that he made. 100%. He does. But... You have to be a special quarterback to earn the high money like he's doing and to be able to do it without help or with little to no help, right? Yeah, and, and that's the that's the part, right, to be able to do it with little. to Because pretty soon a lot of quarterbacks found out that, hey, I'm not always going to be – we're not always going to be able to pay these guys. That's why when I look at the Chiefs and I'm like, man, it's – like I know they giving Patrick five hundred. Not I'm sure that's what Baker was looking at. He saw Patrick get five hundred. He's like, man, if I get, if I come back this year and I play and we make it to the Super Bowl, I might get broke off five hundred. Nah, Baker, you not that. Like I, I don't know if he thought that. He but extent. he but he thought that he thought he, he was thought gonna get he, close he, to he, Dak money. Yeah, I think he thought he was he was getting Dak money. No, he, he not getting Dak money. It ain't gonna happen. Nah, uh, it. it, Hell, it, it I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. We might be in a situation where Dak won't be getting Dak money out the next year. Yeah, no, they might shit, they might force him to restructure his contract. Yes. Like, and, and we see a lot of that, though. We see a lot of quarterbacks having to do that after they get paid big and they come back have a bad season or they don't live up to the expectation for that for that contract that they got. And then two years later, oh, you got to restructure your deal, homie. Yeah, another guy that I, I felt like there was playing through injury and, and that kind of hurt him a little bit, Ezekiel Elliott. Look at him. He had a, I mean, everybody looks and says, well, Ezekiel Elliott didn't, doesn't look like himself no more. Is it because of the offensive line isn't good? And it's like, dude, he has a fucking brace on. How you expect a running back to go move laterally with a brace is, is beyond me. Yeah, I mean, the brace takes away from the elusiveness. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's no more lateral movement. All you can do is move <laughs> forward. Yeah, and like and, and and even based upon like what we saw from Zeke this year, I actually don't think he had a terrible year. Like, no. I thought he had a, a pretty decent year. There's only like seven running backs that cracked over a thousand yards this season. Yeah, and he's and, one of them. And like, let's be honest, like the the lifespan for a running back already is not the longest. No, and that's for a good running back. An average running back is like three years. A good running back you will see in the league, like five, six, if they're lucky, seven years. Like, 
You know what I mean? So I, I think we also have to look at it from that standpoint too. You know what I mean? Like, and if I'm hell, if I'm any football player, especially a skill position player, I'm going after. Don't give me a, a bit kind. Give me guarantee. Give me guaranteed money. Well, and I think that's what's going on now more and more. Uh, you look at a guy like Joey Burrow. Um, he signed a guaranteed, fully guaranteed contract. Um, I think the more and more guys come out, um, I think they'll be able to demand that, especially for. You know, you talk about guys that are in that first round. I think they'll be able to start to demand and say, "Hey, I won't fully guarantee." Oh, you ain't got to you ain't got to break the bank per se, but give me fully guaranteed contract. All right. So while we on the topic of Joe Burrow, I think we we can move this conversation forward. Yeah. We can talk about the Super Bowl, right? Joe Burrow will be there. Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Rams, SoFi Stadium, L.A. Bright lights, Bengals, Rams. Zach Taylor versus Sean McVay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. Are you excited about this Super Bowl? I mean, obviously you're not a fan of either team, but are you like, you can, like, I won't lie. Like, the year that the 49ers and the uh, Chiefs play, I was excited about that Super Bowl. I'm, I'm excited because you see two teams that are rolling at the right time in their season. Um, being able to put on a show. Um, for the Super Bowl, um, there there's some things that got me a little bit leery, but the potential of putting on the show is is big, right? Uh, you talk about Jamar Chase and Jalen Ramsey, like who don't want to see a matchup like that. Um, but then on the flip side is like you got Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham and a couple of the young boys that they got. At receiver, Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson. They got. They still got some good running backs too, and Sonny Michelle, Cam Akers. Like Cam Akers is back and running pretty good. So it's like it's one of those things where it's like that matchup against Jamar Chase and Jalen Ramsey is what I want to see. Um, but then when you flip the sides of the ball and you say Rams versus the Bengals defense, there's not a matchup where I say, uh. I'm looking forward to watching. Well, not a lot of people. I, a lot of people been on the Eli Apple train. I mean, look, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm just saying this is what I've been seeing a lot of people talk about. So, so I, you went there, so I'm gonna go there because you saw what Eli Apple said about Tyreek Hill on Twitter, right? He like he was basically saying like he manned him or like you know what I mean, like referring to him like he was like his son, like because so, of the play so, that he made. So I, I get that. Okay, so Eli Apple's talking a lot of mess, right? Um, and he's talking a lot of mess. See, and this is why you, you about to get me there to where I'm about to start sounding like a hater. The Bengals are having good success defensively. Don't get me wrong. They're making playing, they're making timely stops and getting interceptions and forcing fumbles when needed. And they're scoring off of those. So that is great. That's fine and dandy. The problem is, is you're you, you're only rushing four. You're dropping in coverage. And you're not really playing man-to-man. You're playing more of a zone. And, and if you are playing man-to-man, you got two high safeties. So it's like you got help over top, Eli Apple. Why are you sitting up here like you, you, Eli Apple, do that this weekend. Show me this weekend you can do that. I understand you you talk about Tyreek Hill and et cetera, et cetera. But we're talking about 
Because he got the, he got, I mean, you could argue he got the biggest play of the game in that AFC Championship game when he stopped them from scoring right before half, which even I thought it was a bad play. Anyway, he was just sitting right there in front of the goal line. He had nothing but opportunity to, to square up and go in for the tackle, but he made the play. Man, you're, you're, but you're talking about two of the best receivers in football. No, yeah, no, don't trust me. Trust me, I'm I'm here with you. Like, this, do, do this, I think that they can put him in the in the nickel and he could cover Cooper Cup? Hell no. But but I'm saying a lot of people are talking highly of Eli Apple right now. Man, and I don't even think he a second. I don't even think he a third best corner. But <laughs> no, I'm I'm yeah, just being I, real I, with I, you. I, I, I don't. I, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Um, the one thing I can say is like, I'll say this. If the in order for the Rams to win, Matthew Stafford has to be the MVP. Wow, that's that's big. You know, it's crazy because I actually thought the opposite. I thought that they could win running the ball. I thought I feel like Cam Makers could come out here and have over a buck fifty. Yes, that could happen because I don't feel like the Bengals are going to load the box on them. Correct. Back to my point that they only really rush four and they don't blitz. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. But I think Matthew Stafford has to take care of the ball. And I think they have to take advantage of, I think, the, the weakest part in the defense of, in the defensive backs within, um, within the Cincinnati Bengals. The problem is, is the Rams' defense is now going against another solidified Wide receiver core with Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. T. Higgins. So it's like, you know, that that, that causes some problems. We, I mean, hell, the Rams had to bring back uh, Whittle to play safety a little bit for them. Um, well, yeah, because they safety uh, Fuller got hurt. Fuller got hurt, right. So it's like you bringing somebody back that was, you know, at home chilling. <laughs> for a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, could that work? It, could it could it pan out for you? Yeah, it could. But you know, could the pass rush get to um, Burrow? Yes, yes, the pass rush can. Um, I think this moment <laughs> is where the pass rush becomes bigger. Um, Von Miller and um, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. And Leonard Floyd. And Leonard Floyd. They got some guys out there. Like that's and, and that's the crazy thing about it. A lot of people not talking about the Rams, man. But we ain't we can't sit up here and act like they don't got some guys. You know what I mean? It, and I think this is because the defense I'll be honest, like I think it's because the defense hasn't been as flashy as they was in the past. Like they weren't making it the plays that they were in the past. But I believe, like, when you watched the, what, the NFC Championship game and you saw Aaron Donald have the conversation with the defense and you saw that he got, he got rattled up, he got, he got rattled up to where he was like, man, we better start fucking acting like we the goddamn Rams, right? And when he did that, that fucking defense went lights out since then. I think they're going to play lights out again against the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. I think they don't have any choice but to. You know what I mean? It's the, it's, it's not like nah, it's they, a game they, next week. Like, no, nah, they, they don't. They don't have any choice. They're, they, because you you play subpar, 
Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins kind of take over. Because any of them could go for a buck. Any of them could go easily. for 100 yards receiving. Easily. So, so since we're, we're, we kind of bigged up both teams a little bit, um, what I will say before we go, before I go, I want to big up the Bengals another time as well because I started to go back and I, I saw a little bit of the, the AFC Championship game again and realized how this is the first time we've seen the Cincinnati Bengals make in-game adjustments. Yeah, because Marvin Lewis didn't make a lot of halftime adjustments. That just was I, I don't know if it just wasn't in the game plan, like make halftime adjustments. You know what I mean? See what they do in the first half and then let's find something to count. No, nah, it was just kind of like what you get in the first half, you get in the second half with Marvin. And, and it's no disrespect to Marvin Lewis because I love Marvin Lewis. I will forever love Marvin Lewis, but it just that wasn't like his thing. Like they didn't make a lot of. And I don't even know if this is coming from Zach Taylor, but Lou Anarumo is doing a hell of a job as a defensive coordinator. 100%. So it's, it's one of those things where I want to get a credit when the credit's due. Um, but now that I have done that, bigged up their defense a little bit, showed some of their flaws, talked about the Rams, bigged up their, uh, their offense and defense, and talked about the Bengals offense as well. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. Who you got? This is tough for me. This is real tough for me because I really feel like, I genuinely feel like it could go either way. Like, the Bengals could go out here, Joe Burrow, under distress, last second, you know what I mean, last minute drive. He can go out here, put something together. If they're down by, let's say, a field goal, if it's a tie game, they can drive down and score. On the opposite end of that, I feel like Matt Stafford's kind of the same way. But if I'm putting my money on it, I got to go with, and it's just a money line bet. I got to go with the Rams. Like, and it's nothing to, because, like I said, I really feel like it could go either way. Like, and it's not me, oh, like, when you from Cincinnati, you should be picking the Bengals. I support the Bengals. Like, I feel like them making it to the damn Super Bowl is immaculate because nobody, it was not in the cards for anybody to say, hey, the Bengals are going to, to the Super Bowl. But I, I do, I, I honestly believe that. The Rams, both both offensively and defensively, have what it takes to counteract what the Bengals do well. And the Bengals, they can score, right, at ease. And, I mean, I know the Titans game, they kind of struggled because the Titans defense is actually really good as well. But the one flaw that they had with Tennessee was Ryan Tannehill. And Matt Stafford ain't Ryan Tannehill. And, and I will say this. I know a lot of people have been covering the Bengals story and talking about the Bengals story, like from rags to riches. But let's talk about real rags to riches. Fucking Matt Stafford going from Detroit to... He go, he literally went from Detroit to the Rams and went from being in the basement of the NFC North to being in the Super Bowl. Like, let's... Like, I don't think enough people were talking about... Like, dog, that's like you live in the trailer park. That's like... That's like if I lived in a trailer park, you live in a trailer park, right? Last week, and then a week after that or a month after that, you moved to a mansion in Beverly Hills? Like, that's like that's really wild. Well, what I'll say is I think that they're not really talking about Matthew Stafford as much because of this, what I'm about to say. Matthew Stafford has this season had moments where 
and this is where I think it kind of goes to the Bengals' favor, he's had moments where he's turned the ball over in bad situations and put the Rams in a bad position to where they're either forced to try to come back or they're giving up a lead because of the turnovers. So I think when you talk about why people are not talking about that, I think that is the the most crucial reason why is because he's had bad, timely turnovers in the worst parts of the game. And that's where I think the Bengals can kind of keep this game and make it a make it a closer game. But like you said, not hating. I want everybody to know that, you know, um, just because I'm not picking the Bengals doesn't mean that I'm not rooting for them or hating on them because I'm the, my hometown team, per se. You know what I mean? But I, I got to go with the Rams, man. I, I think the Rams will get it done. Uh, when you talk about a totality of a, a team, I think they're probably one of the most complete teams. Um, and it's not by a fluke. Um Whereas I think some of the turnovers that the Bengals are getting is, I don't say fluky, but they've taken advantage of them. And the best thing about being successful in any profession that you do, you got to have some type of luck and take advantage of your opportunities, and they have done that. So I'm not going to knock them for that. Um, but I am picking the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, no, same, same, and I, you know, what I mean, I think the best player in this game, and I'll tell you who I think is going to win MVP. I think it's actually going to be Aaron Donald. I think Aaron Donald will win MVP. Like, you know, what I mean, like, and this not, I'll break it down to you like this, right? The worst part about the Bengals is their offensive line, and I think we've seen that time and time again throughout the season. And I mean, obviously, they they've done enough to get through the games. You know what I mean? And get them to the Super Bowl, get them to this point. Do I think they'll play better and step up? Yeah, but at some point in time, like you can only you can only be who you are, right? And Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the game right now, and he has been for a while. And at, that's at the defensive line position. And one thing I know about the Rams and the way that they use Aaron Donald, they move Aaron Donald around a lot on that defensive line, right? But he's probably, I ain't going to say probably, he is the greatest three technique I've ever seen play football in my life. Like, and that's better than Warren Sapp in his prime. Like, and he's been that guy for a while. And I think that this is when Aaron Donald is going to show up and show out. And we could see something phenomenal from Aaron Donald this this uh, week in the Super Bowl. I'm saying this guy may go on the, he may have two sacks of forced fumble and maybe around four or five tackles. And he's going to have a lot of quarterback pressures. Like I, I, I really feel like they get a, they, they figure out a way to get it done and the Rams win. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm with that. I got Rams. Yeah, so, um, man, it's crazy. NFL season about to be over. Um, but, yeah, one thing I want to talk about real quick. How do you feel about the Pro Bowl? So, I, did you watch it? I mean, I, I, watched, I watched the I watched, end. I, I watched it. So I'll say this, I watched it just because there was nothing else on TV, probably which I do for all of the Pro Bowls, really, right? Um, I'm on a fence. I'm not the one that's quick to say, hey, that two-hand tag shit is some bullshit. 
it's me. And part of my thinking is one, these guys just bodies just took a beating for an additional week of 18 weeks this season. On top of that, <laughs> you're talking about having the best of the best minus the teams that are in the Super Bowl and guys that maybe are hurt or whatever. You're you're talking you're telling them to say, "Hey, go out there and play in the Pro Bowl." I don't care if you have a contract year or not. Go play hard and playing playing a Pro Bowl. And I'm on, and that side I'm on the side of the I, that's where I take the side of the players and say we all know that it's it's just for show and for them to go out there and kind of just throw the ball around anyway, right? Yeah, no, and, and I'm not I'm not here to I'm not here to argue that oh they should do away with the pro but I'm on the, I want to know how you feel about the location. Like obviously Alvin Kamara got arrested cuz he got into a brawl the night before at a club. Like but this is my thing. Don't put it in Vegas. I get it. You got a new team there. You got a new stadium there. You trying to fill seats. You trying to make it an experience. Put the shit back in Hawaii. Like I know players that want to go back to Hawaii. They may want to go back to Hawaii, but I am also on the the side of saying put the Pro Bowl where the Super Bowl will be. Yeah, that could work too. That could work too. Hell, you have like like the NFL has events. I thought I think in LA they started their events from Monday on, right? This yeah. past Monday on. Why not start on Sunday and have it from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday? Which that could work too. You know what I mean? Like like make that a whole week thing. Make it big. Do it big. The only problem is I guess, you know, depending on the city, could they handle a whole week of that? I don't know. But you would expect a place like LA could. A place like LA could. I mean, hell, you expect the the places that the Super Bowl has been and will continue to be will be able to hold that down for a, a whole week. Man, and, except for the year. Now, nah, I guess when they went to New York, but it was cold. New York, it still would be able to hold it down. It's New York. What about Minnesota? You Remember got, they had it in Minnesota? Can Minnesota hold it down for two weeks? You only need a week well, from Sunday to Sunday. Well, can Minnesota hold it down? I think so. And if, and if you, and I'll say this. I don't know you, too many people thought about being in Minnesota for a week. If you can't hold it down in Minnesota for a week, there's a problem because you're bringing too much revenue to that, that city. That city should be able to, to make some adjustments and hire some people to make some money. To host a Pro Bowl in a Super Bowl. No, I, I get that. But my thing is, it like, but you putting it, what's the point of put? like, I understood, like, you put it in Orlando. It's no football team in Orlando. You put it in Vegas this year because of what? It, it's, it's a football team there. So, what about the guys who were going to the Pro Bowl who played for the Las Vegas Raiders? They just you, stay you home. Put, it's they, no, they put it in, they, you know why they put it in Vegas. I know why they put it in Vegas, but I'm just saying, like, it's a, it, it used to be an allure to, like, oh, man, they're going to Hawaii. Like, at least they didn't they didn't make the playoff, or they didn't make the, they might not have made the playoffs, they didn't make the Super Bowl, but, they, like, they, they're they still a pro bowler, and they're going to Hawaii now, at least for a weekend, or for four days, with their families, or with their friends, like, 
But now it's like, oh, I'm I, people go to Vegas in the off season. It's not like that's no allure to that. No, but what it's saying is one, they're saying, hey, come see our new shiny toy. Yeah, no, I get, I get that. I, two, I, I understand the reason that for them putting it in Vegas. Two is saying, hey, we're in bed with the fucking sports bookies. Come out here and let's make some more money. And I, I, t- I, t- I get that. I get that aspect of it. But I'm saying it just, it's a, it makes more sense to put it in a place like, like put it back in Hawaii because I feel like then people will care more. You know what I mean? Like, do go back to doing like the the pro skills challenge. You remember those? When they when the players did the skill challenges, like like they still kind of do them, but it's like it's not an event like it used to be. It used to be televised. Now people don't even care about it. But my dog Russell Wilson did put a show on at the quarterback skills challenge. He stunk up the Super Bowl, which people were criticizing him about. And I don't. Ryan Clark got a whole thing about. He said some stuff about Russell Wilson, and so did Richard Sherman. Like on the next podcast, I'll talk about it. And I got a whole, I got a whole opening monologue for both of them, to, for hating on, for hating on Russell Wilson. I won't say hating on him, but basically saying he's a, a system quarterback, and he's not like an elite level quarterback, which is crazy. Which is crazy. And I like Ryan Clark, but that's crazy. Like, that's nonsense. Okay, I can't wait to have this conversation because I, I think I might be on their side on this one. If you're on their side, I, I don't know what y'all been watching because last year you were screaming, let Russ cook. And and Russ was cooking. Okay. The, the, okay. It, so, so not this past season, the season before. Like, yeah, the, this season he was he played. First of all, he got hurt. He broke his thumb or he broke his finger, yeah. and then he came back and was playing with that hurt finger, trying to get a bad team to the playoffs okay. in so, the tough division. So let me go back. Let's go back and, and feel free, fans, if you want to go back and listen to the old podcast. But I think we only said let's risk, let Russ let Russ cook. For only like three or four weeks, we said it for like five, and then Aaron yeah. Rod- and then Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> and, and took- we forgot all about him. It ain't like I didn't. I never, first of all, I ain't never forget about my dog, but I, I knew that it was. A, I knew I, I'm not being biased, but I knew I knew I, I knew it was a, a clear cut decision for Aaron Rodgers to win to win MVP. We Aaron Rodgers made us forget he was even playing at a high level. He didn't make us forget, but first of all, Russ tapered off. Towards like week eleven, but Aaron Rodgers was tearing it up from like week five on. Okay, which is why he won MVP. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Russ is more so than a system quarterback, but what I will say is he need a fucking damn defense to get him the ball. Yeah, because the defense is terrible, and they need a, they need a consistent running back. They don't have one. Then they need. Look, the only receiver that he had that's been consistent is probably Tyler Lockett. DK is sometimey. Like, DK got all the intangibles to be a, a spectacular receiver, but sometimes he disappeared. He disappeared in the biggest moments. He played. He plays Jalen Ramsey twice a year. He probably had six catches this year against the Rams. I have to go back and look at the numbers, but I'm I'm almost positive it's around six catches for those two games. And I don't think he eclipsed a hundred yards on Jalen Ramsey since he's been playing in in a division. But you know, Super Bowl will come, Super Bowl will go. You got a prediction on the score just before we get off of it? 
Nah, but I, I do. Uh, 31-28. Okay, I got, I'm going 37-31 Rams. I think it's going to be a six-point game. Um, Which is funny. The Simpsons are already, they, they did the, went back through and the did, Simpsons is projected the Bengals to win. Yeah, 34-31, which is crazy. Bro, this, the Simpsons know so much. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know if they, they, I think, I don't know if they're speaking this stuff into existence or if they know something that nobody else knows. The Simpsons. Because remember, they said Donald Trump would be president and that was back in like the 90s. The Simpsons and I want to say maybe Blackish, the show, is probably the most projectable shows I've probably ever seen. We need to find, I need to find out like these producers for these shows and or the writers for these shows and contact them to say, hey, how do you know so much before everybody else? Is it like a, is it like a portal that I can go to? Like a transfer portal. And I got a question for you. Just while we're still talking about football. While we're still talking about football on the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a question I had. And I'm, I might put it up on Twitter. Alright. Who who has impacted football more in the city of Cincinnati over the past two years? Joe Burrow or Luke Fickle? Joe Burrow. Who has a bigger football impact? Joe, Joe Burrow? Burrow? Yes. And Joe Burrow has from the from the perspective of neither you or I expected the Bengals to be in a in a in a place where they 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 play for the the Super Bowl. Nor did we probably think that the Bearcats would be playing in a in a national title tournament. Tournament in the playoffs and we we didn't we didn't expect that to happen. So, but I think this is the highest stage, right? Uh, when you talk about the, the, the Super Bowl being the highest stage um, and probably one of the hardest things to get to um, it is Joe Burrow, without a doubt. There's, there's no no way around it. I, I was just interested. I mean, I don't have a, I honestly don't have an answer myself because I don't know if, I won't say I don't care enough, but I don't know if I've thought about it enough. But it, I, I feel like that's an interesting question, you know what I mean? Because I wonder if, if I asked most people who are Cincinnati fans, who has had the bigger impact? Who do they feel have had the bigger impact? I'll ask Scott, and I'm sure he'll say Joe Burrow, without a doubt. Yeah, no. I, he's a big Bearcat fan and a big Bengals fan, but I think he's going to say that. I'm, I'm interested to see what Scott says. I actually might hit him up on Twitter We um, and ask him. We got to get him back on the we, show. Yeah, yeah, We got to yeah, get him yeah, back yeah, on the yeah. podcast because I, I got some stuff to talk, talk to Scott about. Um, you know what? I'm gonna hit him up. Um, I'm gonna hit him up. Let's try to see if we can get him next week. Yeah, we can do that. We can. We, we can, can get his. We can get his reaction of the Super Bowl. Yeah, we can. We can try to get him on, and we can talk to him, and yeah. try to figure some things out from a Cincinnati fan perspective. Like me, Eric, and I both are from Cincinnati, but we're not Bengals fans. You know what I mean? We're not Bengals haters. We're not haters, but we're just not. We're, we're not fans, and and that's the one thing that's been killing me on Twitter. Like people coming at me, like I'm like this hater, or people I know personally, like, well, why aren't you, why aren't you, why aren't you going crazy when the Bengals won the AFC Championship game? Because I'm not a Bengals fan. Like I'm, I'm an Eagles fan. I like if when the Bengals won the AFC Championship, I was just like, oh, okay. Like everybody else around me going crazy, and everybody looking at me like I did something wrong, or like. 
I'm like, no, nah, I'm just not, you know, I'm I'm happy for them, but I'm like, I'm not jumping for joy because they like my team didn't win. Right. I'm, I, I, you know, the one thing I will say, kind of switching over to that, where you kind of, you kind of uh, brought up a thought that I wanted to talk about that will probably hit um, on the next podcast too is the transfer portal. Okay, transfer portal is definitely big because I, we definitely want to dive into that on the next podcast. Yeah. But leaving away from football for right now, got to talk a little bit of hoops. NBA trade deadline coming up. Obviously, the biggest trade that's probably happened so far was Tyrese Halliburton getting traded from Sacramento along with Buddy Hill to the Indiana Pacers for DeMontes Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb in the second round pick. Oh, and also Tristan Thompson is going to the Pacers too. So I wonder is Courtney, is Courtney Kardashian going with him, or is she going to stay in Calabasas? She's staying. What, she's staying. What, what we're not going to do on this platform is bring the Kardashians or Kanye into this to this platform. But I feel like the Kardashians on this topic is essential. I just want to know if she's going to Indianapolis with him, because she might be at a Pacers game. I might be at a Pacers game. You know what I mean? He done cheated on her. You, you you know what I mean? Like, only thing you can do to catch a fish is throw a worm. You feel me? That's, that's it. You you feel me? And so on, I, on another note. That's all I'm saying. We also saw that um, the Blazers made a trade as well. Yeah, CJ McCollum going to the Pelicans. Like, that's big. It That's really big because I feel like they got some pieces down in New Orleans. With Brandon Ingram, Devontae Graham, like... They might be, but if Zion if Zion can get back healthy, Zion's still in a check. Man, the the foot, you know what I mean, and he got progressively worse. Like that's the craziest thing about it. So, but how do you feel? Like how do you feel about what they're doing to Dame right now? Because I feel like at this point they gotta just blow up the whole team and they gotta trade Dame. Dame, please come to L.A. Dame ain't going to L.A. We need you. Dame ain't going to L.A. We need you. Yeah, they need a lot of things, right? They need a lot of things in L.A. Because we're going to talk about them shortly. And, I, and I'm, I might. Never mind. I don't want the, I don't want the, I don't want to get hate mail or nothing like that, man. No, but for, I, I, I was, I was about to say some wild shit, but I ain't going to say it. I tell you <laughs> off air, though. All right. But not like literally, if you think about what they're doing in Portland, man, traded away Norman Powell, who was one of their better players. They traded away Robert Covington, both of them going to the Clippers now. Yeah. So it's they put and they just got some draft capital. They got a couple other guys who got expiring contracts. Um, they just traded. They just made a trade to get Joe Ingles, who Joe Ingles is out for the rest of the year from the Utah Jazz. And he's got an expiring contract. So everything leads me to believe that the Portland Trailblazers are going into full rebuild mode. And even though Adrian Wojnarowski says that they are building or they're still planning on reshaping the roster and building around building around Dame. So I just don't know why. Because he's reaching the end of his prime. We know why. When you don't win and you're a pretender, right? At some point, the organization is saying, hey, we got to cut back on our bottom line. We, we're, we're overpaying and we're not getting 
what we what we expected to get back. That, that's what blows teams up. And they've given this Blazer team years to see what can happen. And they've went all in, and they've went and got Covington. They've went and got guys. Just it's not, it's not working. It's not working. So at this point, there's no other choice but you to say, "Hey, we're gonna go ahead and trade Dame Dollar to the Lakers and let him go back home." <laughs> That's what you would love. That's what you would love to hear. I would love to hear that. I, I am, but I don't think it's gonna. Happen. I am almost at the point where I am ready. I'll be honest, as a Laker fan, I'm at the point where I'm almost ready for, I'll say this, life after LeBron. Let's talk, right, so while we, oh, and, and that's perfect segue right into it, right? We can talk about it because, I mean, obviously the Lakers got beat last night bad by um, the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis, I think only missed like five shots last night. Dropped, He's been playing really, really well. Had a 40 ball last night on the Lakers. He's been shooting the and, ball at a high level. And the, the biggest story was, you know, I mean, obviously after the game, LeBron was asked about being able to play with a team like the uh, Bucks and compete with them. They're the defending champs. But he said during the press conference that he didn't feel like the Lakers were on their level. And they said, well, and he said he don't think that they can get on the Bucks level, but I think a lot of that is LeBron putting that chip on his shoulder because LeBron has he's done that in the past, and when LeBron has a chip on his shoulder, he plays a lot better, and I think that he's doing a lot of that to to get the team to play better. You know what I mean? To put a, a, a chip on the team shoulder, like and 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 I don't fault him for that, but. I don't I, know. If, I fought him for that. I don't here, know if you. I don't know if you're ready for life after LeBron though, because LeBron is still playing really good basketball. Here, no, and I, I mean, what, what I mean by that is they're gearing up for life after LeBron, right? It, every time I talk about a LeBron team, what do I say? When LeBron's ready to leave, that team goes to shambles, right? Because they don't structure the team in a manner to where that team is bad okay or in a better situation for life after LeBron. The Miami Heat team probably was kind of sort of structured that way, but with Chris Bosh getting the illness, that kind of fucked them up, right? Um, but the both times the Cleveland Cavaliers, they, they were basically screwed. Like, they, the NBA needed them to have the first-round draft picks that they got after LeBron left because they were going to be that bad. Um so that's what I'm saying, but I, I he's gotten what he wanted, right? LeBron James, the, this is the roster that, quote-unquote, he's approved for. He might have not wanted Caruso. He probably wanted Caruso back. But give me a break. I mean, Caruso wouldn't have made that big of a difference. These guys are terrible. They're terrible. And don't get me wrong, Anthony Davis been hurt. There's not been a cohesiveness. Um, I, I think, you know, when you talk about the lineups, the lineups haven't been consistent for them to kind of gel together and, and and get something going because of injury, et cetera, et cetera. I just I'm just ready for them to find another star that can that has a little bit more youth. Um, they, they can carry them a little bit into the future a little bit more. That's all. Um, 
But yeah. Uh, how about uh, me? How about the situation with the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers and. Oh, for James Harden? The potential of James Harden, Ben Simmons, along with probably others. This is the way I feel about it, right? Now I just I get right to the to the meat and potatoes of it. Okay. They never should have brought James Harden in. Never. I like James Harden when James Harden is the focal point of everything. Like that's when James Harden is at his best. Think about that. Uh, the, yeah, when the, he's the ball, when when because he's a ball dominant guy. Yeah, but think, but James Harden is he's got the LeBron effect, right? Like when no, he does. You, like you hit a good point. Keep going. Yeah, he has the LeBron effect where the team has to be structured in a way that benefits James Harden. I don't know if that's the Brooklyn Nets. And, you know, a lot of people talk about Russell Westbrook. And, obviously, you know, I'm a Russell Westbrook fan. And they talk about padding stats and doing things to to boost his stats. And James Harden was kind of the same way. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of... No, ain't no kind of. He is in that same Like, and, and when you talk about the way that the, the... When you talk about the way that the Brooklyn Nets are structured... First of all, they're an old team just like the Lakers. Like, in theory, they are. They're an old team just like the Lakers. Joe Harris is probably the best shooter on the team outside of Kevin Durant. He's hurt for the year. Kevin Durant has been consistently hurt this year. Kyrie Irving can only play in away games. Kyrie Irving is basically, hell, he a deadbeat dad. Like, he only show up sometimes. You know what I mean? He can only be there sometimes. He can't be there all the time. But it's not against his will, though. I mean, yeah, it's it's not on him, though. It's against, like, the state of New York and the policies that are going on with COVID and just the fact that he don't want to get vaccinated, which that's completely his, you know what I mean, that's his prerogative. Like, I have nothing against that. You know what I mean? Like, I think he should be able to do with his body what he wants. But the facts are still the facts. And James Harden now is just in a situation where things aren't going the way that he thought they were going to go because he thought that it was going to be, oh, we going to go... 72 and 10, like the Bulls, coast to the finals. No, it ain't been that. So now they're saying it came out today that James Harden has been kicking and screaming for a trade. He wants to be traded. Now that this is the part, the Brooklyn Nets to trade him are going to want a lot of value, right? And the 76ers. They have Ben Simmons, who they, they, you know what I mean, since shit, since the land before time has been wanting to get traded, it feels like two years now, right? It's been like two years. And they're saying that the Nets also, in addition to Ben Simmons, want Maurice Stiebel and possibly Tyrese Maxey and or Seth Curry. Now, that's a lot of, that's a lot of talent to give up for James Harden because what you get in James Harden is only one player who was going to give you offensive stats but defensively he's a liability you're giving up young talent in Tyrese Maxey and Thibel and Simmons and you're giving up a lot of defense because a lot of the offensive production that you get already is from Joel Embiid and shit that's been enough because right now Joel Embiid is probably the front runner for MVP so, I mean, you could do it. You can make the trade, but it's not a smart decision if you're the Philadelphia 76ers because it's not only possible short-term success, but long-term, you have to think about the effects of it because what happens if Tyrese Maxey goes on to be an all-star? If Thibault goes on to be a defensive player of the year? If Ben Simmons becomes a megastar? 
Then you're getting James Harden at 33 years old who's on the back end of his prime. And then you still got to pay him a, bull, a shit ton of money. So that's just kind of where everything falls with that whole situation. And am I opposed to them making the trade? Absolutely. Because, I mean, while I like James Harden and I think he's a, a great talent, I'm not giving up future success for probably not making the finals this year. Because even with James Harden, I don't know if the Sixers go to the finals. Couldn't have said it any better. And I'm sorry I was so long-winded, but I got kind of passionate when I started talking about it. You're good. In other news, not sports, Snoop Dogg now owns Death Row Records. Oh, sh- man. So you bought it from Suge Knight? Hell, did Suge Knight even own it anymore? No, he did not. Blackstone did. So I wonder what is he going to do with that? Did he? Just, I guess maybe just to get the rights to his music? Maybe. Who knows? That's interesting. Shout out to Snoop. Unk. Unk. Black Excellence. Black History Month. Man, we gotta give I wanna give a big a shout out to Shannon Sharp, man. Don't ask me. I, I I don't know. Don't ask me why. Never will I give a hit a shout out to Shannon Sharp. Yeah, I will. I I love Shannon Sharp, man. Not a Shannon Sharp fan. Um I, hey, and that's okay. Like, I was a Shannon Sharp fan as the player. Um, but but not not the the media guy. No, and that, and that's fine. Like you know what I mean, everybody not everything not for everybody, and I understand that. Like and some like certain people, I don't like. I've grown off of like I'm not a big Stephen A. guy. I respect him for what he does and what he's done in his career. But a lot of his takes and a lot of things he says, I don't necessarily agree with. I respect, like I said, I respect his job and what he's done. But I won't go to him to listen for information anymore. Like it's just not my thing. Nah, nah, but, for sure, for sure, definitely not my thing. Um, I kind of mess with you know some of the other guys. I, I'm yeah, gonna, I, I like I like uh, the the pivot isn't cool. Uh, I am athlete. I'm still I'm still a fan there. Only because of Chad Johnson. No, but I nah, I, I like Brandon Marshall. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like people feel like they had to pick and choose like after the split, but. I feel like I can listen to both and, and be okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'll listen to both. Um, like, I mean, but with, with growth comes change. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's okay. Basketball, I like the crew. Jay Will is not bad. Um, oh, I'm not a big Jay, nah. Don't, don't, don't. I, I kind of like Jay. Jay. Jay ain't bad. I like Jay I, Will? Yeah, I no. Like what Jay, he, I like what J.J. Reddick's been doing. J.J. Reddick's been probably doing really good. The the, the 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 ladies that they got covering basketball has been doing pretty good as well. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I, I like uh, I like just even. Kirk has been doing good, and then football is like Dan Orlovsky, Ryan Clark. I like Mina Combs. Mina Combs, yeah, she's she's dope. She's dope. I like um, who else do I like? I like uh, this is a lot of people I listen to or I watch. Uh, Maria Taylor, I'm a big fan of. Obviously, I, on this note, because he's gonna start getting into his fan fandom. On this note, um, close this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I was gonna say I could go on all day about people yes. I, I like, and um, but now I want to thank everybody for listening to the Tunnel Vision Podcast. Uh, it's been a great episode. It felt great to be back. I had some stuff on my chest. We talked about coaching in the NFL, and, like diversity and inclusion, for like fifty minutes. Yeah. So for if you listen to this entire podcast, we I'm sorry that we got so long winded on it, 
But I'm passionate about stuff like that. We, like we bounced around a little bit with other things that kind of reeled it back in. So it should be good. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, I hope that if they listen to the thing in its entirety, that they enjoyed it. Um, but no, it's just something that I'm, I'm personally, I'm passionate about it. Like because for me, like it's 2022. Like anytime, you know what I mean, where we can step up and speak out against things that are going on that we don't personally like to see because you know what I mean like I feel like so much is going on in this country and in this world to where like not only blacks because I mean they have other minority coaches in the league but when you talk about black specifically in America like we've gone through way too much as a people to not even be on the same playing scale as our you know what I mean our Caucasian counterparts you know what I mean? Like, and, and that's the one thing that, that's triggered me and that that's that I have the biggest issue with, especially because I've dealt with similar situations in my career. So I uh, want to thank everybody for listening out there. Um, make sure you check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, tunnel underscore viz underscore pi. You can follow me personally at Mario Doremus on all platforms. Well, Twitter and Instagram. Well, Instagram, I'm simply Mario, but... I'm Instagram. I'm easy five one underscore five one three, and I think Coach Walker on Twitter. Coach Walker. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you go out, follow us, give Coach us some, Walk. Coach Walk is what it is. Give us some feedback on the pod. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and hey, Super Bowl Sunday. Let's go. We out. <laughs>